1: And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: Here we are, another edition of Sideline Sports, joined by Jake Malik, Eric Wilson. John Shear is not here this week. He's under the weather. But special guest, Gary Myers. One of the best guys covering the NFL. He stopped by to join us. He's written a book with RG3, which we're going to get into in just a couple of minutes. Welcome to the show, Gary.
1: Well, thanks for having me, guys. What's going on?
0: Uh, Not much. Just try to get used to Tuesday night football.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I was thinking about an hour ago how going back to uh, last Thursday, uh, only Friday night, Friday night's the only night we haven't had yeah. any football in the last week. So, yeah. You I, know what? I, I, like I, I don't mind it. I need a break between Monday and Thursday I, <laughs> to kind of get recharged for the weekend. No,
2: thank you. I want football every single day. Give it to okay. me.
0: <laughs> I just wish they would flex the games to make them better in primetime. Because there have been some horrible primetime games.
1: Yeah. well they this time of year they, they they have the ability to flex the Sunday night games which um, I think they'll, they'll be doing is is the last hope so next last couple of weeks but
2: I, I, yeah, still I hope so
1: yeah I mean I remember last year the uh, the Washington no I'm sorry the, the Ravens played the Steelers in a Wednesday game. In Pittsburgh, I think it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, uh, I think the only fans that were allowed into the stadium were the uh, literally was was a family of the players, and it was it was so bizarre. I think NBC had the game, and they couldn't show it. They they originally the game they wanted to have it at least like five o'clock or seven o'clock. But NBC was committed to doing the tree lighting at Rockefeller Center. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember that. Yes. we played three o'clock in the afternoon. So, I, yeah.
2: N- when you say it's, the, it's the tree, lighting, tree lighting, tree that, lighting, that triggers it. I'm like, yeah, I remember that now. That was weird. And I remember thinking the tree lighting is really more important than football. And that's a shock to me because I know the tree lighting is important. But, man, football always seems to take a precedent.
1: Well, I, I think it was just a contractual commitment that they had. That could be. Yeah. And- I'm sure the football game, you know, probably would have attracted more viewers, but oh, you know, they I'm were sure. just locked into it.
2: Yeah. All right, so Gary, let's hear about. Let's tell us about this book. What was it? Uh, what was it like working with RG3 on this whole process?
1: It's funny because the game we just talked about that right, more Pittsburgh game. RG3 actually started right. that game, and that it's all connected. It out, unless he signs somewhere, that's the last game. He actually got on the field in the NFL because he had a hamstring injury in that game that cost him the last few weeks. But, um, I mean, the impetus to to doing this book was all from from Robert. He he wanted to do a book telling his story. Um, I think the, you know, the sexual harassment controversy, not controversy, but. uh,
3: The allegations.
1: the, The allegations and how unfortunate and unacceptable that is. I think that inspired him. To to talk about not necessarily what he saw in in that regard, but just the things that went on in Washington and to tell the story of how dysfunctional that organization has been. And as it turns out, you know, he only really witnessed uh, firsthand one uh, incident that you would say is sexual harassment. A a scout was saying some inappropriate things to a, a woman who worked in the team's front office uh, during practice and training camp a few years ago. But um, the surprising part to me is the sexual harassment he's going to talk about in the book it involved himself and how he was sexually harassed uh, by women. Um, now, I'm not sure at this point whether it was multiple incidents or uh, just one because you know we're still, we're about 90% done on the book and it's not coming out till next August. Right. But um, we we haven't quite finished that chapter yet. For me to understand exactly, you know, what the situation was, other than the fact that um, he initially wasn't going to tell this part of the story because he didn't want to take the focus off the women at all, but then felt it was important to to, to uh, convey his own experiences there as a means of really exemplifying and illustrating what an awful culture it was in that building that, um, and I had never really heard this before where, I mean, you hear stories about players going out with cheerleaders or, you know, maybe something going on. People in the organization have a relationship, but as far as a woman sexually harassing one of the players, uh, I had never heard of anything like that before, and I've been covering the league since 1978.
3: Yeah. yeah. Gary, may I call you Gary first and foremost?
1: I don't know what else you would call me, Eric. Well, I would
3: call you Mr. <laughs> Myers, you know. Out of no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. But, no, Gary, I appreciate your time. I just – I got to ask you, what was one of the things that really impressed you about Robert RG3 when it came to wanting to tell his story and the two of you collaborating on this book?
1: Well, Eric, I thought that he was just really open and honest uh, on so many different subjects. He was really forthcoming, and um, I really enjoyed him. Um, Our first—I didn't know him really personally at all um, until we decided to do this book together. And my first interview with him, I drove down to Baltimore last uh, late October of last year. you know he's playing for the ravens last year and he, he had a house not far from the facility and so i thought that now this is in the middle in the middle of COVID, obviously which we're still in the middle of COVID, um but i i thought i really thought that it was important for the first time we got together to discuss this book that it was face to face and you know we talked for about three hours and we really developed such a nice rapport uh during that first meeting that i just said hey why don't we just do this on zoom? You know, now we've gotten to know each other. Um, Saves me a three and a half hour drive from where I live down to Baltimore and a three and a half hour drive back. We're able to do it really spontaneously. You know, if he had some time, he would call me and say, Hey, you available, you know, let's, let's talk for a couple hours. So every one of the interviews that I did after the first one was on zoom Which was a new experience for me. I mean, Zoom is a new experience for all of us. And look what we're doing here. Um, And it was great. It it was really just as effective as if I was sitting next to him. And in a lot of cases, I think it was better, Um, just because. um, I don't know when when you see. Listen, there's nothing that really replaces a a face-to-face interview. But if you feel you know somebody well enough and And you have each other's trust um, just to do it like this. I didn't think I lost anything whatsoever by not doing it uh, in person. And, again, I think it made it easier in some regards because it eliminated, you know, me having to travel to go see him or meeting him the night before a game on the road, which last year I wouldn't have been able to do because of all the protocols, but – it all worked out fine. And I've told people that Curtis Martin is one of my favorite guys I've ever dealt with. And in a lot of ways, Robert seems like this generation's uh, Curtis to me that just a really bright guy, very, uh, very aware. Uh, in his case, um, very, um, let's see, as far as the history of the game, he, he really understood it. You know, the players that came before him had a good sense of the history of the game. And I guess that was just a really bright guy that I, um, I mean, I, I knew, I knew that going in because I'd seen enough interviews with him, but in, in t- until you're dealing with somebody in a project like this and you really need them to open up to you, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. And, and he was just great. So you, it, it, Oh, Jake, Jamie, if you got some, go ahead.
0: No, I mean, so when you first started to write the book, I mean, you know, you've been around the NFL for years. I remember reading you growing up. You know, how no sports,
1: I know. When you first learned to read, you got the Daily News. And,
0: oh, I mean, the no Daily knows. News was like Who the did newspaper. Yeah, you know, that like, was, you know, first thing you did in the morning, you woke up, you opened up the sports section, you read you, Mike Lupica. You know, the, the, the great writers, you guys, that was probably the, the best sports section I've ever seen. But, you know, what were you surprised to see how dysfunctional the whole Washington organization has become? I mean, we're in their second year, they don't even have a, a name for their franchise. They're, they're still going under the football team.
1: Yeah, I think they'll have a name next year. Um, I mean, I, I actually think I read some stuff that either they have a name or it's um, narrowed down to the final two or three. It, listen, I mean, Dan Snyder has on the team since 1999. It, it's basically been a train wreck. since about the second day that he owned it. Um, it's just been one thing after the other. And hiring the wrong people. He's involved. Now he's not involved. Now he's involved again. Um, he's too close to the players. Now he doesn't talk to the players. Wants to give the coach full power like Mike Shanahan and wants to take it back. I mean, he's all over the map. He just could never find a winning formula. Um, In a lot of ways, it's kind of like the Cowboys have been ever since Jimmy Johnson has left. You know, Jerry Jones had the good fortune to hire Jimmy, who was just fantastic. And who knows how many more Super Bowls he would have won if he had stayed. But in the last 25 years, when Jerry's been on his own, I won't say they're as dysfunctional as the Washington team is. But you know the Cowboys—it's been 25 years or 26 years now since they've been in a in a Super Bowl. And with Washington, it just never seemed, other than when Snyder brought back Gibbs, who was not the same coach as he was the first time around. But he was still he's still the best coach Snyder's ever had. Um, I thought for that four-year period that there was some semblance of you know, credibility attached to the organization just because of how highly thought of uh, Joe Gibbs is. Joe Gibbs was as a coach. But, you know, as, as soon as Gibbs was gone and he hired Jim Zorn and and then um, Shanahan and, and they had the fights over RG3, I mean, it's just, it's been a mess. It really has. And um, I, I just don't think Snyder, I think he's a great businessman. There's no doubt. But as far as running a football operation, um, people in Washington deserve better than that.
2: Yeah, Gary, I mean, you say it best. It's It's been a mess. A lot has come out about the team. John Gruden obviously got fired a couple months ago now. I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago, but really wasn't that long ago. I'm sure there's still stuff going to be coming out. I know this is not the intent of this book. I know the, the point of the book is just tell the story of, of what, robert went through i i 100 understand that but i'm sure there's going to be some some impact do you think that the impact will lead to potentially more people being implicated more firings even potentially uh, you know as far as to go as maybe snyder has to sell the team or at least it's discussed or or do you think it's just going to be people read the story they sympathize with robert and they kind of just get a better idea of what was happening in the organization. At least, Yeah, I mean,
1: sure. I, don't, I don't think um, if Robert knew specific things um, while he was there, I, I'd like to think that he would have stepped forward at the time and not saved it for a book. And I, I really believe that. And truthfully, the example I gave you before is really the only thing that's in the book that he witnessed. So it's not like he saw, you know, uh, somebody from the personnel department um, sexually harassing uh, any of the women in the organization. You have to remember like the, the play, especially the way that their facility is laid out. When you walk in the door there, you go down a flight of steps and that's where the locker room is. But on the main floor is where the coaches and all the football people are and occasionally the players will come up to the coaches' offices to meet with the coaches, but um, for the most part, i say 95% of their time is spent downstairs in the locker room or you know, there's a door down there that leads to the practice field. So the, the interaction between the players and the front office is not what you necessarily think on a day-to-day basis. So he wasn't really in position – Uh, to witness a lot of this stuff. So, I mean, the answer to your question is no. Um, As far as shedding new light on what happened in the sexual harassment, uh, there's nothing earth-shattering here other than him detailing his own experiences here, which are, like I mentioned before, which are very unique. Um, Like I said, the last chapter that we're kind of putting the final touches on and we still have to have our meeting about that one and you know how this how he was in a position to be sexually harassed by women in the front office Uh, i'm you know we're still working our way through that so um you know i can't give you an answer on on how that came about just yet
3: got it and and gary you know robert is he was an integral piece you know, in his time in Washington. And now to go from there to being an analyst, and I know he's, you know, played in Baltimore and played other places. Um, I can at least speak from as being a black man, it's very difficult to number one, tell your story. But then number two, to have your story be heard in a sense to where you don't, your, your character is not um, persecuted, if you will. But I wanted to ask you, you know, has he talked to you about what may happen, you know, how people may look at him once this comes out? And if he has, if you don't mind sharing, what has been some of your advice to him as someone who has covered the league for many years and as someone who has, you know, you may not have been down this road, but you know kind of what to expect
1: Eric, I have to tell you, and I'm not patronizing you here. But that's a great question. I mean, that's really a great question. And yes, I mean, it's, it's been a concern of his from, from the very beginning. Initially, um, when we decided to do this, let's say a year ago, September, it was all about, hey, do you think this is gonna hurt me? Because I still want to play and our team's going to say, do we really want to sign this guy? Because are we going to have to worry that um, he's going to write a book about us and without other teams knowing the contents of the book um, ahead of time, how concerned are they going to be that, you know, they're going to be, Signing somebody that is going to be a lightning rod, not even based on anything that happened with their team, but you know from his past experiences. So, you know, my advice to him at that point was, "Hey, everybody in the league hates Stan Snyder. and and I, I'm not saying that lightly. I know you you kind of laugh about that, but I'm serious. Um Well, if, uh, let me
3: just say this not to not to interrupt, but I I understand the the severity of the situation and I take nothing that has happened within that organization lightly. I, I think it's it's very there is such a negative outlook on this entire organization from the top down that you know, I, I genuinely feel like something needs to change like Jake was saying earlier. I have said this probably since, 2014 2015 dan snyder needs to go he is not helping elevate the shield and you know now we have all of this stuff come to light i am just you know i i it's an internal laugh because it's like it doesn't surprise me you know what I mean? Like there could be a laundry list of stuff that comes out in 2022 about the things that have happened in the Washington Football Team's organization, and I will just chuckle it off because it just it it won't shock me because it's almost I almost expected at this point. Yeah, it's like yeah. what else? What else? There
2: would what, have to what be else something. do you expect from this this right. clearly riddled with trouble organization? Right. I, right. I agree.
3: I would just add the, it to the list. So but the I, NFL made.
0: Made the Carolina owner um, Jerry Richardson sell his team a few years right. back. I mean, you know, and if Snyder isn't bringing anything to the Shield, which we all agree he's really not he's, not, he's got Jerry Jones, where Jerry Jones at least is advancing the business of the NFL with the LA deal and other things that he's done. You know, what is you know, but it's, it's not. I'm just saying this.
1: It's not so easy to get somebody to force somebody to sell the team. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Snyder himself. Um, I mean, the Jerry Richardson situation was because Jerry was, you know, directly involved in sexual harassment in his front office there. And, you know, he basically got pushed out by the league, made a fortune in selling his team, by the way. Um, Snyder, and it only came out within the last two years, settled a lawsuit brought by somebody, a woman in the front office, that Snyder acted inappropriately towards her on a private plane plane from Las Vegas back to Washington. And and I forget what the settlement figure was, but Snyder claims that his insurance company, you know, threw in the white towel that he didn't, he didn't want to settle because he didn't, he wasn't admitting anything wrong, but um, running an organization that did enough wrong that it was fined $10 million by the league because of the culture and, and the sexual harassment, Sure, I, I think they should have forced them out, um, and S- Snyder obviously would would fight them in court, and it would be very messy. Um, I keep using that word to describe their organization, but a, a lawsuit like that would be very dangerous for both sides. What would come out, you know, birth, both during the discovery phase, phase and then what would come out in court. Um, but that's not the direction the league is going anyhow. I mean, they didn't even suspend him. You know, they they get his wife is now the CEO and and Snyder's working on trying to get a new stadium. But so he's not involved in the day-to-day stuff because he's not there. But there's nothing that's happening in that organization without his approval. And he's still at every game. So nothing has really changed
0: makes you wonder what's behind the scenes and under all the layers that it's able to go on like this, even with the emails that got released. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a hatchet job was done on Gruden for whatever reason, not saying what he did was right. But, you know, it's months later and the only emails we've really seen are Gruden's emails. You know, there's got to be other stuff in there and they're doing whatever they can to protect those emails for whatever reason. And I'm sure when you're protecting emails like that, there's something in there because if there was nothing there, they would have no problem releasing them. So it. So it's almost as though they just want to coexist to protect themselves the way I see it.
1: Well, I mean, not only that, but they didn't even require a written report by Beth Wilkinson who conducted the investigation. She gets verbally um, communicated to them her findings. And then when you think about, I think it was 143 pages in the Deflategate investigation, you know, a, a silly... In terms of mean, severity, yeah. ...waste of time that cost only $5 million for the investigation, and they produce 143 pages, and there's no paper trail at all of... Not, not paper trail, but there's no written record of this investigation. And the only thing... That we know that's come out that they don't want to come out. I'd have to rephrase that. The only thing that's come out of any interest beyond the NFL's press release on the investigation have been the Gruden emails. But, and I don't know this, but you'd have to think somebody clearly had it out for Gruden because I think there was a few hundred thousand. Emails and the only ones that get leaked involve John Gruden and Bruce Allen. So I, I'm not going to suggest who it was because I don't know. I don't know if it was Snyder. Yeah. I don't know if it was somebody in the league. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah I
0: think I think it was over six hundred thousand emails, yeah. if I remember correctly. It's Some ridiculous number. And, you know, you got the, the one guy. Not saying what he did was right because I'm not going to sit here and justify any of that. But he's not the only one that did emails, something wrong. That's it's all as simple we're seeing. As...
1: The, there's no condoning anything that Gruden wrote in there about African Americans, about women, um, about homosexuals, homosexuals exactly LGBTQ right. community. Yeah, he, he, he destroyed those
3: emails. Those emails. I mean, I don't issues. like to use this terminology, but he pulled the Archie bunker. He just made sure <laughs> he, if he didn't, he didn't like anybody. So That's he let you out. know right. how he felt about everybody. He,
1: here's the thing. I mean, somebody like who thinks like that obviously cannot be in a position of power in the NFL as a head coach. I mean, how do you walk into an NFL locker room, which is the, you know, the, especially, the melting pot,
2: especially on his team where he has, I, I believe, the only currently openly homosexual player. NFL player. I mean, you, you right. want to talk now, about covering everything. He's got it all on his team. He's got women that probably work in that organization, right? Of course. He's got obviously, as we just mentioned, a homosexual man on his team, and there's nothing wrong with that. Good for him. Like, I think it's great that he's open about it. I know it's hard for people to do that, and obviously he's got mixed, you know, mixed races on that team. Of you know, there's probably more than just whites and blacks. I don't know the ins and outs of every player, but it covers a lot. You can't have a man of, of, of that caliber and position with, with the no. opinions that he has. Of course, I agree.
1: The only thing I will say in his defense, and it has nothing to do with the content of the emails, because that's indefensible, is that he was writing what he considered to be a private email yes. to a friend. These emails had zero to do with the Washington investigation. Okay again, I'm not defending anything that was in the emails and I'm glad it came out because it should have, if he, if this is how he thinks, then he should have been fired and he was fired. But, you know, you do have to think to a certain degree, you know, was it an invasion of his privacy that these emails came out in this investigation uh, and that had nothing to do with the investigation and at some point, it will be disclosed somehow. Somebody's going to come up with this. Who actually, you know, made put the, made those, you know, who sent them first to the Wall Street Journal and then the New York Times. Somebody, obviously, with a huge vendetta against John Gruden. Uh, because I have to think, just because of the enormous number of emails, that there had to be some other stuff in there that would be very damaging to lots of people. And I don't even know who those people would be, but... Um, Just more of averages,
0: they would have to be. Even if Yeah, when people, writing, email, you
1: know. when people are writing emails that, that they consider to be private and to their friends, you know, who knows what they would have said. Now, the stupidity of, this, of all this is why was he communicating with Bruce Allen on Bruce Allen's Washington, at the time, Washingtonredskins.com email address? I mean, when you're going to be writing stuff like that, you got to make sure that there's no way it can be traced. And, you know, they weren't going into any of these people's, um, it was all team emails. I, as far as I know, if somebody had a Gmail account, they weren't going into that and, and reading those. It was just the stuff that was written on the team email site. And um, and that's how this this all came about that's how they became part of this treasure trove of emails and somewhere along the way somebody was reading these things and it all oh, Gruden over here Gruden over here Gruden over here and then they just they just leaked them for whatever whatever their motivation was right yeah it's kind of really crazy
0: uh, just to change topics I have two outside you know Washington questions I know you're from New York um, Daniel Jones, a lot of news out today. They shut him down for the rest of the year, and you know their talk about how he didn't get a fair shake and his future. They were hoping to have an answer if they wanted to keep him or not. There's a lot of uncertainty whether he's the guy. What do you think from what you've seen so far?
1: I, I've seen, I've seen a lot of good stuff and more bad stuff, and I, I do think I think he throws it really well. He's a, he's a very good athlete. He's a much better athlete than Eli. Um, and you know, from what, what, if you, if you watch the giants in his three years that he's been there, uh, he he's done it despite he's had a play despite not having an offensive line. That's of NFL caliber, it's very, it's very difficult. Even if you had the best skill position players around you, if you don't have an offensive line, they can give you the time to throw the ball. It doesn't make a difference. So he's had a crappy offensive line. Saquon hasn't done anything since his rookie year. Not his fault. He just keeps getting hurt, and maybe that's who he is, that he's just going to be one of those players. It's a shame because he was so dynamic as a rookie. Um, I thought it was a mistake to take him where they took him because I think the history now has shown that there's such a short shelf life on running backs that you can't invest the second pick on the draft on a guy who may only last four years. And in Saquon's case, he's had – one good year and three injury years. Um, giant defense has been very spotty. So I don't I don't think we've I don't think Jones is in a, has been in a position that we can make a definitive definitive judgment on him because he hasn't had the pieces around the coaching the last two years has been horrific offensively. I mean they can't get in the end zone. Um, I, I think he the, the Jets dumped Darnold after three years. I said prior to the draft, I thought that was a mistake that um, guys like Zach Wilson come along every year and he's been very unimpressive this year, obviously. I thought the Jets better play was to take that second pick and trade trade it down a couple of times because teams wanted to trade up for quarterbacks in this past draft. And when we saw that, I thought the Jets should have, you know, traded down twice, try to build a team around Darnold. And if it didn't, if he had a bad year this year, then figure it out. But I, I, I didn't think Zach Wilson was the kind of quarterback. I would have done it for Trevor Lawrence. Um, I wouldn't have done it for Zach Wilson. Um, I thought they would have been better off keeping Sam and using, you know, turn that into, um, use that second pick and almost turn it into a cottage industry, you know, trade down to four, trade down to eight. Get a couple I'm of like like Bill Belichick and, draft system, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. look at Bill. I'm not a huge Mac Jones guy. I think he's just a really good game manager. He's a smart kid. He throws it okay. Um,
3: he just fell but, in the right system. He, exactly. I, he, yep. he, he fell in the right that's, system. That's, that's, that's what I've said. It's a, it's a familiarity piece. Josh that's, McDaniels and Bill Belichick saw Mac Jones. What they saw in him was. This is a guy in our system who we could make look like the guy who was with us for two decades, who is the greatest of all time. And
1: it's also because of Belichick's relationship with Nick Saban. Of course. He knew everything he needed to know. Absolutely. absolutely. Mac Jones and and knew he'd be a a really good fit. And he he does have a lot of the Brady qualities. There's never going to be a story like Brady again. And Brady was a sixth-round pick. This guy was a first-round pick. Um, But he does – bring a lot of the same intangibles um, to the team, to the locker room, to the field. Um, Brady has a deceivingly strong arm. That's what people never realized about him over the last 20 years. And it got stronger as he got older, which is amazing. Um, Didn't look so good the other night, but, you know, he was back to being with, like he was in New England the last couple of years without any skill position players, because they all got hurt. And and how about Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell being reunited in Tampa now? Isn't that (laughs) the irony of it? What a story that is. But um, yeah, so getting back to Daniel Jones, I I think he deserves another year. Giants have two picks in the top ten. Now, I will say this: if you can get Russell Wilson for one of those two picks and then some other stuff, I think Wilson is one of those guys that can play for into his forties. Um, Russ just, is
3: coming to Philly. It's okay. He he, he don't oh, need to go to New please, York. Please no. Well,
1: maybe Russ Denver, is coming perhaps, to Philly. You know, you never know. I mean, I'm not positive. I'm not convinced that Seattle's going to trade him, but um, we'll see. Yeah, the Giants are in a good position if he's made available in a trade because they have a lot of draft pieces that they can send yeah. to Seattle. And Seattle's trying to recoup. You know, after losing the two number one giving up the two number ones to the Jets for Jamal Adams, a trade that you know they probably like to have a do-over on. But um yeah, so I, I would give if you can't get a guy like Russell Wilson at a reasonable price, and you know that Aaron Rodgers isn't coming here, so and Deshaun Watson is not coming here, then I, I would just take those two ones, um, take the two best players you can at that spot, or maybe trade down and get some more. Giants need lots of players. We need and, a lot of offensive line players. How about that? Well, that's that's what we what need. Just, give
2: me
3: an offensive Russ, line. I'll feel
1: better. Why I mean, bring they, they want to a
3: team that doesn't have an offensive line when he's already on a team that doesn't have an offensive line? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. Unless um, you plan on building, rebuilding that line to protect him, Russ ain't coming to the Giants. I'm just – let me just say that right I, now. I, You know,
1: Eric, I, I don't disagree with that, and he's going to be in position to kind of pick his spot. Uh, because of you know a bunch of money on his contract. And and um, I, I don't know if he has a no trade clause or a limited trade. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the deal is, but Seattle's not trading him any place he doesn't want to go because no. and that's just going to be a problem. But um, if the Giants come out of the draft and just in the first round picks with a, a pass rusher and a stud offensive lineman, then they're taking a huge step forward towards becoming a respectable team again. But um, we don't even know who's going to be making the picks for the Giants at this point. We'll
0: find out. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to wait and see on that. Now, my next question was, all right, right, it's Tuesday night. We have football on because of COVID. The NFL made all sorts of schedule changes, which they weren't too keen on doing throughout the year. The whole COVID situation is popping back up. It's getting pretty bad with the new Omicron uh, variant. How do you think the NFL handled it, especially with the Bears last night having so many people in the protocol having trouble, you know, fielding fielding a quality team? And they played a a decent game. They were in the game, you know, from, well, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but basically for everything I've seen, the referees kind of cost them. And I mean, you can't blame the referees, but having, having that and having trouble putting a team on the field at the same time, you know. What's your overall opinion of what the NFL has been doing with this
1: whole? Well, I mean, just look what's going on tonight. Garrett Gilbert has started for Washington. Five days ago, he was on the winglands practice squad. And now he's starting a, a really important game with playoff implications. You, you know, they, they extended the Washington game one from Sunday to Tuesday to try to give Washington a chance to get some players back. That didn't happen to quarterback. It didn't happen for the Browns on Monday night. They couldn't get either one of their quarterbacks back on the field, uh, even though the the game was, you know, pushed back 24 hours. Unless the NFL actually takes a pause right now and lets the players who are in the protocol uh, give them a chance to test negative and then – Institute all these different kinds of uh, protocols and, and rules and regulations to try to keep everybody do everything they can to keep these teams healthy down the stretch. Unless they were to do something like that, literally take a pause for a week and give give teams a chance to get healthy. Unless they do that, this is going to be an issue. It appears now every week th- through the, until the Super Bowl in the middle of February because. This variant is apparently not as dangerous as the first time around, but much more contagious, and um, it—the it, numbers are just mind-boggling. I mean, all of a sudden, in the last two weeks, it, it seems—you know—teams are putting between five and ten players on the COVID list every week. Yeah, and we're up to
3: 140. The last time that I saw, I think we have 140 NFL players currently on that list and it's you know it's one of those where i agree with you gary as far as a solution however we know the the business that is the nfl they're not going to lose money and they're like listen if you can put x number of players on the field you're playing it doesn't matter the name on the back of the jersey
1: they're not gonna they wouldn't necessarily lose money because if they eventually play the games then all their tv money is intact and their ticket revenues intact um moving this, moving the super bowl back would be uh, you know that that's that's quite an undertaking but they also have that one week to play with between the conference championship game and the super bowl that if need be that can push everything back a week and eliminate that off week. They've done that before. Uh, They did that in 2001, you know, the 9-11 year. Um, So yeah, that year, I think they pushed the Super Bowl in New Orleans back a week. I think that's what happened. Um, So they have a little bit of flexibility in that regard. Um, But to this point, they've shown no inclination to do much more than Push games as far back as perhaps Wednesday, because that's what they did last year. That, that Pittsburgh Baltimore game was originally the Thanksgiving night game, if you remember, and it got it wound up getting played the following Wednesday. So yeah. Wednesday is about as far as you can go, and then still have a team play on Sunday. Because if my math is right, that's the same as playing Sunday, Thursday, Wednesday, Sunday. I yeah. think it's the same number of days. Yep. Same
3: same amount of days. Yep. You're yeah. correct. Yep. So it's going to be very
1: interesting to see how they, they maneuver their way through the last three weeks of the regular season, and then the playoffs. But I mean, can you imagine a conference championship game or just a playoff game, and some team has to sign a quarterback off the street to start?
0: Not, not a good look at all. And no, they, I really mean,
1: they
0: got to figure out a, a way to, to do something. I, I understand it's a tough situation. It's something that they've only been dealing with for the last year and a half. It's not. Something that's been around for 40 years that they've had to worry about. But if you're going to talk about player safety and you know this is important, that's their the biggest biggest player safety besides making money. Because we all making money is number one.
2: Of course, always will you be. Can't
0: say, you can't say that player safety is a very very high on the list when we're not you know worried about a team that has 19 guys in the COVID protocol still going to go out and play a game.
1: Yeah, I mean I think they are concerned about the players. Uh, I, obviously it's all these owners want as much money as possible, but I don't think they, they take the player safety aspect of this lightly. Um, one thing to consider here is whether a team – Eric, I guess you're an Eagles fan from what you said before. Um, I am. If you remember last year that the Eagles had Josh McCown as their COVID quarterback – kept him in Texas, away from the team. And if need be, they could have flown him in because he finished the previous season with him and he knew the offense. I I would not be shocked now if if some of these teams that um, are gonna gonna be in the playoffs or fighting for a playoff spot now, if they try to keep their backup quarterback away from the team, you know, at this point in the season, they've all practiced enough. Um, Aaron Rodgers, when he was on the COVID, now it's Aaron Rodgers, you know, he did the walkthrough on Saturday and played on Sunday and he hadn't practiced for the previous 10 days. Uh, it might be in, in these teams' best interest to kind of stash their backup quarterback away from the team just to make sure they don't have to go out and sign a Garrett Gilbert type to start a playoff game. I'll be interested right. to see if if that discussion starts anytime soon.
2: Would be a good idea. Um all right, uh, any of you guys have anything else, JB or Eric, any more questions no, for Gary? No. That,
0: that was great, so Gary, when's the book uh, supposed to come out? What's the tentative
1: August be? 9th, August 9th of 2022. People can pre-order it now on Amazon or wherever it's called Surviving Washington. If you if you go on Amazon, look at the cover, you'll buy the book. It's really one of the coolest covers that I've seen on a on a sports book in a long time. They really did a great job with it. And I will tell you this, the title was Robert's Idea. Love that.
0: Love that. I can't wait to read it. I'm excited. You know, I I love your work. Uh, Like I said, I've been following you for years. Uh, It was a pleasure having you on. You're always welcome to come back. And I look forward to speaking with you again in the future.
1: Well, great. It's nice to see you guys and take care and happy new year and happy holidays. You too, Gary. Thank you. Happy
0: holidays,
3: Gary. Thank you for everything.
1: Take care, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Take care.
3: Take
2: care. All right, gentlemen. We got about 15 minutes, give or take, left. Gary so, was fantastic, but
0: so plenty more to talk about. All, JB. First of all, it's Tuesday night, just football on. Uh, I know we don't usually get it tonight because our game is But, you know, I'm sure if you're not watching us, you're playing score, no score, our great. Absolutely. Download I'm the app. doing it on my phone as we speak. You know, I haven't done it because I was doing some research on Daniel Jones because I'm a Giants fan, and, you know, I think he's it's done painful. Gary,
2: That's Gary painful. says
0: other things, and Gary knows the NFL. It was an honor to have him here. But make sure you're playing score, no score. Every time you see football come baseball, and it's going to be rolling out to other sports. So get in on it now. Get in there. Play. You'll see us in there. John, who's not here tonight. Maybe he took the night off to play score, no score. It wouldn't be shocking. He's just sneaky like that
2: wouldn't put it past him. I would love that. Are you kidding me?
0: That's what I should have done, but I, I knew Gary was coming on it. I love Gary.
2: Oh, absolutely. Hey, I was multitasking. That's I had my phone in my hand. I was, I was doing a little bit of both. You oh, had no idea. I'm good. What like else that. is going
0: on in the world of sports? Besides, you know, everything starting to shut down. The NHL's could put now. Yeah. A couple of they, days. The Olympics gonna take are about a of, week
2: off. Yep. Yeah.
0: The NHL Olympics is kind of
2: done. Yep, they're not going to be playing there. I mean, I gotta. We didn't get to talk about it, Eric. I think you guys spoke about this. I don't. I think you. I don't think it was a sports arena. You may have done it on the sports arena. I didn't. I'm not sure. But I believe you did its own show uh, about Urban Meyer fired as of last. what Was it last Wednesday? Last, last Wednesday Thursday? morning. Wednesday. Okay. Twelve thirty in the
3: morning. Yeah. So <laughs> one, we did it on one Alex of the best 20's things 20's. I've heard in a while. We did it on Alex Fleming's NFL carousel that Thursday night because, That's what it was. Okay, you know, our brother Alex, rest in peace, he covered the team. And there was a lot that he couldn't say while being in the room. Right. You know what I mean? As a media Absolutely. and as a journalist, you have to pick and choose what you say very carefully. 100%. But we all know Alex was never one to hold his yeah. tongue. He just elocuted, eloc- elocuted words in such a manner that it just made you think. But right. we did was we let y'all know what Alex really wanted to say about Jacksonville, more specifically about Urban Meyer and what was happening. So, um, yeah, we we took that whole entire show just to talk about that because there was so much to unpack. Excuse me. But, listen, I said he should have been gone long before this time. I agree. There are those who disagreed. Um, You know, I, I heard Michael Vick say that Urban Myers should have been able to finish the season because even though we may have seen it as his time was up, there might have still been time to fix the situation there in Jacksonville. But no. Shot Khan, the owner, think. he made the decision. And, you know, the, the sad part about the situation from my perspective and in my opinion is, He's gonna get a job somewhere else down 100%. the road. Back on the college level, and once he starts winning again, all of this is just yep. going to go by the wayside, and Absolutely. and that's a shame. That really the is good.
0: The good news is, I mean, since he kicked Josh Josh Lambeau, um, that article came out. His lawyer said it was true today. He did an article that did yes. happen after he denied it. So I'm a little confused how you deny something and then your lawyer says it happened. I mean, that's not the guy who should be saying it happened if it happened, if you denied it. That just makes you look really bad. What kind of toxic situation was it down there? And besides for that, you know, he now has more time to get a Manscaped package. He could use code SSN, go on Manscaped, you know, get a nice package like you did last time we had. Yes,
3: I love that. You know?
0: I like how that's where this
2: went. (laughs) Not, you know, he's got time to fix himself and work on what he did. No. Well, Let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about the the really to,
0: He was going out to dinner, dancing with young women. You know, you want to be properly groomed. You need your Fair enough. you need your bowl deodorant, your ball toner,
2: you your gotta shaver.
0: Use code SSN to get twenty percent off. Got to pay the bill. You know, but
2: like, seriously,
0: what what does he do with kicking players? How do you do that? As a, I mean, that's head just coach the NFL.
2: That's that's legitimately that's assault. I mean, that, that, that or maybe it's defined as battery, but it, whatever legally it's described as is beyond me. I don't know the difference between those things. And I don't really care to know because the point is he physically hurt another person. That's, that's ridiculous. I, I mean, I just, the whole situation was a mess. We said from the beginning when, when, the uh, the whole thing with him in the bar and that young lady, that was like that like was a bad start. That was, to say the least, yes. But that no, was the one of
3: the was him bringing in uh, a racist coach from that yeah used to work with him. That was his that exactly. was his first red flag. You got bro. a point.
2: The second not, red
3: flag, and this is no disrespect to Tim Tebow, but you're bringing a guy who hasn't played right. in the league in seven eight years asking him to play a position he's never played before. Right. And I even gave him the benefit of the doubt when he did that and say, so Trevor Lawrence is the new kid. Tim can shoulder some of that
2: media That's
3: and exactly. he could also learn. But I mean, it, it just, it was a blunder.
2: It was stupid. It, it, was, it, was. it didn't accomplish anything.
3: So that was number two. And, and then the laundry list of stuff that he has done and trying to you know, Urban Meyer has a college football coach mentality. He does not right. have an NFL football coach mentality. It but takes see, a, a certain individual to lead grown men. And Urban Meyer ain't that dude. But you, you see, see the differences? To, is
0: being being in, in the NFL, football. all that stuff got called out and brought to the attention of us. Mm-hmm. If he's in Ohio State or an LSU or, you know, one of those schools, we're never going to hear about all these misgivings. It's going to be like, oh, we won on Saturday. We're going to the playoffs. We're right fifth. You know, that's what—that's all they care about. So they get away with a lot more. You can't do that in the NFL.
3: Exactly,
0: it's not acceptable. And I mean, even in college, it should not be acceptable. But unfortunately, there's a lot more of that that goes around. And you get a guy like that that has no business coaching anywhere.
2: I agree. You know, the problem is, no matter what we say, how ridiculous all this was. I mean. He verbally abused his coaches. He verbally abused a player, as we just talked about. He physically assaulted a player. I mean, among I mean, what feels like a million other things. But those are just like, what, the past week and a half, two weeks, leading up to him getting fired that he did those few things I just mentioned. That alone should disqualify him from ever coaching ever again. But the problem is, and Eric, you're 1,000% correct, He's going to get a job. I give him a couple months before he gets his next, at least an offer. Yeah. Maybe not an accepted so, job, but an right. offer to coach somewhere. No doubt, an offer
0: to coach. Without a doubt, if he wants to coach, he'll have a exactly. job. Exactly, and he shouldn't Which be is. allowed
2: to. And That's the problem.
0: Completely wrong. When there are guys, you know, coordinators of the NFL that the enemy. I mean that that dude should be a head coach four times over again. You know, and he he doesn't have a job. You know. And we can get into that topic and be on that topic for days because it's wrong how he doesn't have a job, you know. Yeah. But but you get guys like Urban Meyer who assault players allegedly, and I mean his lawyer said it, so I guess it's
1: true. I guess, yeah, you,
2: you um, can say if they if they've said he did this, then he, he we left can say his that. team.
0: You know, after a game, which we've asked other coaches on this program, that's unheard of. <laughs> yeah. to do that, you don't you don't go and leave your team after a game. Absolutely, you know, and this isn't coming from J.B. Ellis or Eric Wilson, Jake Malik. No, this is coming from guys that have coached in the league, right? But but this guy, because he has a track record of winning at college, where the misgivings are forgiven, he gets away with it. It's right. horrible.
3: That's exactly it.
2: I mean, and honestly, I mean, the fact that the man had the audacity to go up to his, uh, you know, coaches, his assistant coaches, the guy that coaches along with him, and basically tell them. Tell me why I des- You deserve your job. Why you're basically prove your value. I mean,
3: how do you hired him? You hired him. So how you gonna ask a man to show if, him your credentials I mean. when you looked at his credentials and you and said, brought it? You're hard. hired. I, I then mean, you gonna ask? Then you gonna sit there and turn around and be like, "Well, well, why, why, why are you on my squad? Because you let me in."
2: I mean, look. Uh, this is a this is a problem that stems much farther than Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer just perpetuated it. it. just he made it worse, and that's it. Because I think a lot of people know that the culture in Jacksonville is not great. They, they have they have no winning culture right now, which is part of the problem. They haven't done. They've had one fluke season. The, the owner. I mean, I don't I don't intend to badmouth anybody, but he's not a he's not the best owner to have.
3: So you're saying 2017 was a fluke, Jake? That's what you're saying.
2: Yeah. When when you see, and I don't mean it to uh, to to take anything away, but I say that because have they repeated anything near that success with a quite similar team the next year after? No. No. It, right, and they didn't. I believe the year before they had a pretty similar team as well. I don't remember, so I'm just saying this based on I don't remember any big no, signings. I, I, I get what you're saying. Right? It it just it happened they just had one big year just like the giants for example i believe it was 2016 that was the year of the boat incident right but that season to me that was a fluke it was a team that they played well they, they maybe their schedule was easy i don't remember what it was i have no idea but they played well for one set of uh, one, one period of time and that was it but before that and after that has been a mess okay before the boat incident the last good season we had were winning the super bowl in uh, 11, I believe that was 2011, 2012, or was it 10-11? But whatever, that time period, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And before that, we weren't even that great because we'd won one Super Bowl prior to that. But again, it wasn't like this insane success. But those were a couple good years. But you take that, then you go to the, to the year of the boat. It wasn't great, you know, th- those years leading up, right? And then the years after, they haven't been good either. It, and so, so I mean to say that you know the Jags are not the only team, but that's another example of yeah, it was clearly just it was one year a team played well, things were working. It was one year. That's all it is. Okay. They don't have a winning culture, and things need to be fixed. I'm not saying that the owner is the the only thing at fault, but things need to be fixed because there's clearly it's, you know it's it's not just you know the coach that comes in. Because who hires the coach? The guys above him. Yes. And, and that's part of a culture problem, is usually the guys above him. And, and, and it's clear that there are some problems in Jacksonville. And I, we, we talked about culture problems basically this entire show. I think it's pretty clear. Obviously, it's not as bad, but it's definitely it, it, things are not good in Jacksonville. Okay.
0: To me, that's the problem with revenue sharing in the NFL, the way it's done,
2: mm-hmm. is
0: you have a team like Jacksonville where. You know, I don't know if the incentive by, you know, Mr. Connors to to win games. I I I don't know. He's a
2: businessman first.
0: You know, he he's very lenient. You know, even a couple of days before they they went ahead and fired Urban. He said,
2: "I will be thinking about this heavily." You know, things yeah, things to you know, that
0: effect, Yeah, he likes to stick with his coach. and give him a chance. Which I listen, I, I do agree. You have to give give coaches a chance. You can't be quick handed and get rid of guys sure. their first year usually. But there were red flags, It would urban Meyer. The red flags with air, so I think you gotta make that decision right away. Right. But I don't know if you, know, you gotta get the right people in places to, to run the organization. I agree. Speaking of which, I gotta ask you, Jay. The Mets went out and hired Buck Scholl-Walter this week. Great hiring. I mean the guy I love gets that. Yeah. The most gets the most out of young young players. You know, he wears on teams after a while. He's not a long term guy. You know, he's not gonna last there a decade. Right. But right now with Steve Cohen trying to make the Mets the relevant team in New York do you think this was the right move for them
2: yeah I think it's a great idea I mean Walter I think was a clear choice to be somebody's manager it was just a matter of who hired them or rather me, who hired him uh, I think it's great I love what Cohen's doing with the Mets he's one out he's signed great free agents he's made good trades he's getting a, a, a you know a lead guy that's experienced and I think we'll get the best out of his players or at least do his darndest to do. So he's going to, he's going to fight for his players, which I think is one of the most important things, any coach manager, anything in any sport can do. Showalter is no, and he will go out and he will argue. He will fight for his players. And and I love that. And I think that is how you build a winning culture. And that's how you build a positive culture in a team is, you know, he's not the perfect example, but he's a good example, Right. A coach that's going to back his players. He's going to be hard on you if he has to, but he's also going to be honest with you, and he's going to back you if he's got to. And I love the hiring. I think I'm not saying it's going to make the Mets, you know, put them over the top all of a sudden. It's going to take the team playing well and other factors. Obviously, uh, it, you know, it takes a bunch of things to make them play right and, and be good. But I love this hiring. I think it was great, and I I appreciate that. You know, even as a Yankee fan, and I know the Mets are the other New York team. I appreciate that they're trying to make the right moves. To improve this roster, I, I, I you know, and, and this team, I think it's the right thing to do. I
0: think we're another step going backwards towards '86, when the Mets ruled New York, and it was sickening. Could be. I do not look forward to it. Steve Cohn is doing a hell of a job as an owner. He, he makes me think of George Steinbrenner every day.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know,
0: he's he's not he doesn't rant as much in the newspapers, but he's got that type of ownership where he's he going gets out it done get so gather. far. He's going to do whatever he can do to make his team better. It won't always work, but he's out there trying to do it, and I respect that.
2: But at the very least, you can say he's trying, which is not all of it, but that's half the battle, is going out there at least giving it a try. Um, All right, anything else, guys, before we wrap things up? I know it was a long interview and then a kind of shorter segment on everything else, but do we have anything quickly we want to add before we wrap this up?
3: Uh, Just, you know... Merry Christmas, happy holidays. You know, yes. I'm, I'm 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 this is we're we're in the fourth quarter right now. Philly is up by 10 and um I'm very oh, thankful love, that yeah. Slay was able to stop uh their tight end from scoring right there. So there we'll, we'll see what happens, but um you know, this is a game that we can't lose because I'm going to have to listen <laughs> to John and especially my man Ty Ray from say what say it again? cuz he was the only one to pick Washington last night on the sports arena. So I got to hear it from them. If the, if the Eagles don't pull this out, plus I won't be sleeping if that happens. Cause I'll probably break a few things before the holidays, <laughs> but you know, uh, Merry Christmas to you guys as always. Yes. Thank you so much for always having me on. I appreciate it. Shameless plug Monday, Wednesday night, part of the sideline sports network family, the sports arena, 10 PM with myself, John Shear, Mike carrots, Nudo, Ty Ray and our girl, miss Megan price, our queen of hoops. So.
2: Yep. JB shout it out. What do you got?
3: Oh,
0: Monday, we got the NBA carousel with Megan Price. We got our show Tuesdays, uh, Thursdays. We got the NFL carousel We're on DB television right now, every night, plenty of ways to see us. We write for the inscriber magazine, sports sections, uh, by sideline sports. There's so much going on. We're everywhere. everywhere.
2: You never know where we're going to be guys. Absolutely. You know, JB, you hit You hit most of it. Uh, only other things, as you see across the bottom of the screen, Instagram, Twitter, sideline sport one, YouTube, Facebook is sideline sports. We got groups, pages, all that. DBNA Television. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TikTok, you name it. We're there. Look us up. You'll find us.
0: Make sure uh, two things before we go, housekeeping. Yes. Make sure surviving Washington. Go on Amazon. Order that now. Absolutely. Make sure Gary knows you got it. Secondly. Before you sit down for your NFL games and you get the score no score app up, make sure you go to manscaped.com. Use code SSN. You need your shaver. You need your ball deodorant, your ball toner. It's important. Get it done before the holidays.
2: And last but not least, everybody from myself, JB, Eric, John, who couldn't be here, the whole Sideline Sports Network, and our, you know, our family uh, of shows and people, happy holidays. If you're celebrating, Merry Christmas. If not, we'll see you next next time we do our show but in advance and we're seeing it now happy new year everybody be healthy stay safe have a good holidays whatever you're doing and we'll see you next time happy holidays everyone merry Christmas happy new merry year. Christmas <laughs>
1: Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric
3: acid.
0: Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time.